Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. He is risen. Alleluia. Our reading this day will be taken from the reading in the book of Acts. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this morning for the gift of salvation you have won for us through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray today, Lord, that we would hear this good news that Christ has sent this message out into the world, and we pray, Lord, that you would use us as your instruments to proclaim this word that all may come to hear the good news and have faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Now grant us your Holy Spirit this day, Lord, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. The night when Jesus was crucified, something remarkable took place in the temple in Israel. You may recall this from the readings we had a few weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, when we were looking at the death of Christ, that when Christ died on that Good Friday, there was a temple, uh, a curtain in the temple. And that curtain was torn in half from top to bottom. Now I need to explain to you this morning why this is a little significant. We're going to do a little Bible study here this morning. This is a very significant event in the history of that temple. You see, that curtain existed to separate the people from God. Behind that curtain was the area in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And this was viewed by the Israelites as the literal holiest place on the whole earth. Because it was believed that is the place where God's presence was. That is the place where God dwelt. And so nobody could go back in there lest God's wrath broke out against them in their sin. Only very few people could go into the Holy of Holies, and it was only particular priests at particular times when they had offered up particular sacrifices. When the blood had been shed, then they could go into the presence of that God. Well, on Good Friday, that thing that separated the people from God was torn in two. And as Christ offered up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, the temple curtain that separated the people from their God was ripped in half, ripped from top to bottom. God rended the curtain. And now there is access to God. And many scholars look at this and they say the symbolism here is very important. It symbolizes now that sinners can enter into the presence of a holy God. The blood of Christ was sufficient enough to wash all of us clean of our sins, so now we can go into God's presence. And this is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. But I wonder if there's not more to it than just that. If it's not just that we sinners can now walk into the presence of God, but rather if there's another thing going on there, if, if things are moving in a different direction. It's not just that we can sort of now enter into God's presence, but when the curtain in the temple is torn in two, the reality is God got out. <laughs> he is let loose. God is getting out of the temple. The temple cannot contain him. He cannot be contained behind that curtain. But now that Christ has reconciled us to God, God is letting loose on this world with his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace and his holiness. God is coming for you. God is coming to attack the sin in our lives, put it to death, and raise us to a new life in Jesus Christ. The truth is, 
No temple can contain this God. Nothing can contain this God. You cannot contain the word of God. But don't think that the world hasn't tried. The constant pattern we see throughout this time in this creation is that the world is constantly trying to contain God in his word. Just think about what they did to Jesus. Everyone was trying to contain Jesus. The religious leaders, as we talked about during Holy Week, were very threatened by Jesus. They were intimidated by him. He was a bad thing for their power plays. And so they decided to get rid of him. See, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, they really liked this God in the temple. They liked God contained, safe and secure behind the curtain. With God behind that curtain, they didn't have to be too afraid of him. What is more, they could keep the people in check. They could intimidate the people with this God that they had contained in that temple. But when God got out from behind that curtain, when he peeked around in the flesh of Jesus Christ, they didn't like what he had to say. They didn't like the word of God coming to them in the flesh. And so they decided to contain it by crucifying him. They crucified this word made flesh and they laid his corpse in a tomb thinking in this way they could contain the word. But what we have learned at Easter is what? He is risen. I just wanted to make sure you were still awake. That's very good. Uh, Yes, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And what we have learned is that not only can a temple not contain God, the tomb cannot contain Jesus either. Death cannot stop the word of God from getting loose. And so Jesus bursts out of the tomb that Easter morning, and then he comes to his disciples. And that's the reading we heard from the gospel this morning. Jesus appears to his disciples who are hiding in an upper room. They're hiding there for fear of the Jews. They're afraid that they're going to be next. They're going to be the next ones to be crucified. And so they've locked all the doors. But if tombs and temples can't contain Jesus, no doors are going to stop him from entering in. So mysteriously and miraculously, Jesus goes into that upper room and he lets his Holy Spirit loose on the disciples. And this is what he says to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. It's as if Jesus was saying this. My forgiveness must be spread throughout this world. Listen, guys, I cannot contain myself any longer. You've got to let this message loose. So I'm giving you this Holy Spirit that no temple or tomb can contain. Go preach this word. I'm putting him in your mouth. So that you will proclaim into the ears of the others. Go preach the word. Go forgive sins. And nothing will be able to contain this message. So now, this word of forgiveness and salvation, this message of death being defeated, and Jesus ruling and reigning in mercy and grace, all of this, by the way, which he has done for you, is now let loose. It cannot be contained. But even though the temple couldn't contain him, and even though the tomb couldn't contain this message, it still doesn't stop the same pattern from happening. It still doesn't stop those in power from trying to silence this word, from trying to contain this word. So the disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they go out. 
and they start preaching and they start proclaiming this message and they start spreading it abroad and a church starts to form and people are gathering and people are believing and these Sadducees are furious about it. Those who tried to stop Jesus and couldn't do it are now even more furious because they cannot stop his disciples from preaching this message. So they figure if a tomb and a temple is not going to stop the whole thing, maybe what we need to do is have intimidation and threaten them and we'll throw them in prison. So the Sadducees have the apostles arrested and they throw them into a jail. But you've got to be rather naive to think that if you couldn't stop the message before, that a little jail is going to stop it. So as the disciples are sitting in the prison that night, the Lord sends an angel to the prison. And the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. The angel says, look, get out of here. Go stand where God's breaking free and give people life and salvation. The spirit cannot be contained and he is putting himself into your mouth. So go out there and preach him. Go out there and spread the good news. Now, they go out and they do this and when the authorities hear about this, they're incensed. You've got to imagine they're going crazy. They just throw these guys in prison, and the next day they're out preaching again what is going on here. So again, the authorities arrest the disciples, and they demand an explanation. And they say, listen, stop it. Stop preaching the word. Keep it to yourselves. And Peter says, no, we can't contain this thing. You might tell us to stop, but Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on the tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I mean, Peter, he just lets loose. He says, listen. You guys crucified this guy, and death can't contain him. You've thrown us in prison, and you can't contain the message. And the reality is we have the Spirit on our lips, and we can't contain him. So we're giving him out for free. We're giving repentance and forgiveness to the world. So just get out of the way, because you cannot contain it. But again, <laughs> I mean, it's a pattern. This hasn't stopped the devil and the world from trying. And though it is always in vain, the efforts to contain the word of God never cease. You simply have to look back on the history of the church to understand that this is true. Whether you're looking at the martyrs in the early church who were uh, thrown to the lions for entertainment in the Colosseum simply for preaching the word. Or we think of the time during the Protestant Reformation when many of the reformers were tied to stakes and burnt alive for preaching that Jesus Christ alone saves by grace and through faith apart from works. Or we can even look in our own last century, the 20th century, to see how the world tried in, in vain but tried very hard to stop and silence the preaching of the word. They tried to contain the word of God. I mean, oftentimes we think of the 20th century as being this century of advancement and peace and all this wonderful stuff, but it was really the bloodiest century in the history of the world. And the church felt the brunt of that. Listen to what Alistair McGrath, the great uh, Christian historian, says about it. He says, The 20th century gave rise to one of the greatest and most distressing paradoxes of human history. That the greatest intolerance and violence of that century 
were practiced by those who believed that religion caused intolerance and violence. That is, people were out there saying how intolerant and violent religion was, and then uh, they grew very intolerant and violent towards the church. How ironic. You need to think only of perhaps uh, Lenin's multiple campaigns in Russia in an effort to completely remove Christianity uh, from Russia. He had three violent campaigns against the church. Millions of people died. Or we think of China after World War II and their efforts to remove all the missionaries from China, throwing them in concentration camps and having a very heavy uh, governmental stance against the preaching of the word. And what came of all of this? Did they successfully contain the word of God? Absolutely not. China right now with the underground church probably has the largest church in the entire world. I remember when I was in seminary, we had uh, pastors over who live in Russia. And they were talking about the terrible things that many of the Christians of that day went through. The terrifying things they suffered for their faith. And now the Russian Christians are more firm in their resolve than ever, continuing to raise up pastors and send out missionaries. It's remarkable. We're seeing this even in our own day. Like uh, last week where during Easter service, the Christians in Sri Lanka were shot. Or were there, I guess they weren't shot. There was an explosion that took place there and many people were killed. Or the burning of the black churches in the south over the last number of weeks. There are any number of demonic forces in this world trying to silence the word of God. And yet, the opposite happens. The harder the world pushes against the church, the harder the devil tries to contain the word of God, the stronger our faith becomes. The ancient church said it this way, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, which is a really remarkable phrase. But you have to realize that the Lord who uses death to save the world is going to work through suffering and loss to strengthen our faith and our resolve. Nothing, none of this can contain the word of God. Nothing can stop it. No top-down power or authority can contain the risen Christ. Now we praise God that we do not currently live in a nation where the preaching of the word is being suppressed. I know we're all afraid of that happening, but the reality is it's not happening. I know we keep hearing uh, how the church is under assault in our country when the reality is, compared to the rest of the world, we're just not as popular as we used to be, and we don't know what to do with that. The reality is we are still free to be here this morning, and that is a wonderful thing. For us, the containment of the word of God is not coming down from some sort of political attack or top-down authority. And yet, in our culture and in our context, there is still an effort to contain the word of God. But I fear it's not coming from some top-down political movement, but from within the church itself, from Christians themselves, who are too afraid to proclaim the word who prefer to keep their mouths shut lest they upset somebody or offend somebody. It comes from a church that would prefer to be entertained on a Sunday morning than to hear God's word preached into their ears, who would prefer good advice to the law and the gospel. We live in a culture now where we'd rather search God's holy and saving and powerful word for relationship advice and tips for happy living 
We'd rather ignore the whole repentance and forgiveness thing and just get sort of soothing, therapeutic encouragement. And when Jesus isn't all that comfortable for us, when he's not all that encouraging for us, you know what we'll do with him? We'll just kind of put him in a container and lean him on the shelf. And we'll get to him when we think he's useful or necessary. But until we can find some sort of practical use for Jesus, we're going to look for other things. And so we try and contain God by making him useful or practical. But you see, even this will not contain Jesus Christ today. Christ will not be contained And your self-serving pursuit of warm feelings and self-esteem won't stop him this morning from breaking loose on you again. His word will not be contained in this place. The reality is that you and I in our sinful, selfish lives need to have that sinful nature in us killed. We need to die so that we might be raised to a new life by the word of God. And so Jesus comes to you today and says to you, repent. He gives you this repentance. Repent of trying to contain and compartmentalize the Holy Spirit. Repent of trying to keep God at bay. Repent of not submitting to his word where he calls you to change and to turn from your sins. Repent for keeping your mouth shut for keeping the word silent, this word that no temple or tomb, prison or political attack can contain. Repent for not letting it out of your mouth. Repent of that. And hear this, that this morning in this sanctuary, God's got out again and he's coming for you. And now he's got you where he wants you. He's got you ready to hear what you need from him. He's got you here. To hear this, dear sinners, you are forgiven. The Lord Jesus died for you. And now he has come to you today with his holiness to wash you clean and forgive your sins again. He just did it. You are forgiven. He couldn't contain himself. He just had to do it. For you see, he will not allow anything to contain his mercy for you. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we repent, Lord, for silencing your word and trying to contain it. Lord, we praise you that we do not live in a place where we suffer for our faith, and yet we do live in fear that preaching your word will put us on the outs with others. Forgive us for our fear. And place your Holy Spirit on our lips so we would be bold to share your message. But Lord, even more so, convict us of the truth this morning that you have gotten to us and you forgive us. Lord God, help us to live in this grace boldly with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Having heard the